Hi everyone, welcome to episode 3 of our Baseball Ground. I'm Alex. And I'm Alex. And today we're going to be discussing a key player from the past 18 years of Derby County's history. And that key player is Bradley Johnson. So Bradley Johnson is a a player whose 141 appearances and 14 goals came across only four years for Derby. So he was was pretty well played and pretty well liked by all the managers that um, played him. And he actually played under six managers at Derby. Yeah, I think it was a, a unique period of, of change, wasn't it? Yeah, Those four years. it was. It definitely was, which could have been to his detriment, as we'll discuss. And very excitingly today, we have our first guest on our podcast, so um, so that he can contribute from this moment onwards, I'm going to introduce him. So we're joined by my dad, who's known as at Derby Rambler on Twitter, or John <laughs> to, to most people. So hi, Dad. Hello. Hi, right. how are you doing? Very yeah? good, thank you. Good. That's good. How's the, how's the weather back home? Not very good. Oh. <laughs> Not very good. <laughs> it's a cold cold breeze. Oh. <laughs> <that> Not, <laughs> Not wet though, right? Not wet, no, but just just really cold. Oh, okay. That's that's yeah. absolutely not what we're used to here in Lisbon. And and it's proper um, cold. It's proper cold, not Lisbon cold. <laughs> <laughs> proper chilly. Proper I think it's made yes. below ten degrees one day. Yeah, so yeah. It, it got to nine degrees this week, and we oh, we put our big coats on. It was. I'm, yeah, I'm gutted for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think as well before we before we start, I'd like to add some context to um what's happened since since we last recorded an episode. Yeah. So Darby I can't even won. Remember what we recorded about last. Oh, the Ipswich game. We recorded about the Ipswich game, yeah. and we said at the end of the episode, let's hope that next time we speak, Derby County are off the bottom yeah. of the championship and I table. I just rescinded my statement from the previous episode where I'd said that Derby were too good to go down and said that actually they might be bad enough to go down. But now it looks like they might actually be too good to go down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stop making statements and just see where they go. That's a nice, a nice point to get to. <laughs> So yeah, we're recording this the the day after the Rotherham game that never was. So Derby's uh, game at Rotherham yesterday was postponed at at the eleventh hour um, due to a coronavirus. The hour of two p.m. The hour of two p.m. Yeah, <laughs> due to a, a coronavirus outbreak in the in the Rotherham squad. And I don't know. I feel like that could be added to a list of Derby County controversies that we probably speak about in a future mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm but, not sure what will come out of that. Derby could do with the points. So I really hope that. Um, the EFL maybe step in for the first time and help us out. Don't hold your breath on that though, will you? <laughs> not with not not the EFL's concerned. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not holding my breath. We did win. We did win against Swansea in the week, which was an excellent performance mm. and the best of the season. Mm. So it's quite nice to to be recording this now. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the first positive period in the season, right? So it's it. 
it's probably a bad time to uh, to bring up the past in a sense but (laughs) that's what we're doing with this podcast (laughs) that's what we committed to trying to get there and Ryuk blasts it and Ryuk scores it Dad, I'm going to ask you our, our question that we're going to be asking all our guests. Okay. Um, it's a bit of a bit of a leveler, I guess, as we as we get everyone on and um, to to talk on this podcast. So, um, what is your first memory of Derby County? Uh, right. Well, it goes way way back. Um, oh, this is going to be good. To 75, 76 ish season, I okay. think something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But the first couple of games I went to the baseball ground I wasn't actually a Derby County fan mm. so as we as we know and as you've mentioned in previous podcast um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah 75 76 I reckon somewhere around there I went with um, my best friend at the time I was only 10 or 11 at the time and his mm-hmm. dad who was from London and was uh, a West Ham fan so mm. we went to a couple of games we went to Bramall Lane to see West Ham play Sheffield United and went to the baseball ground to see them play, obviously, Derby County. So and you were was... in the away end? No, we was actually in um, probably the pop stand, is it called? Was it called at the time? Oh, Which the Which went side, below. It? It actually, you were actually level with the pitch. You were, you were standing below the pitch and you were level with the pitch. I do remember that. So that, that was my earliest memory of Derby County. Um, that must have been a difficult viewing position for... For a child, right? Being it was, the pitch. It, yeah, it was unusual. It, it was very unusual. Um, but not having been to many football grounds, I didn't really know anything different, I suppose. I'd been yeah. to see Forest when I was very, very young. Because uh, yeah. my, dad, my dad took me there. Um, That's a dangerous admission. That's, uh, <laughs> it is. It is. I, I was going to keep that one quiet, Dad, that your, your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, all my side of the family are, are Forest fans. I'm, uh, I'm the only one who isn't. So yeah, uh, but he didn't, he didn't sway me in any way. So that was a good thing, I suppose, wasn't it? So that is good. <laughs> and then around about 1979, I believe, uh, Liverpool played Derby, um, and I went with my other best mate at the time, who was a Derby fan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we didn't go in the away end either there, so. And Liverpool won three one that day, which I do remember, actually. Oh wow! Um, so those are my mem- two two earliest memories. As as a Derby fan itself, probably nineteen ninety one something like that. I remember going to a few games that season. Okay. Um, and then onwards, obviously, always as a Derby fan. Yeah. So you share the the background of being coerced into being a Derby fan by by an older member of the family right <laughs> yes absolutely yes yeah and it, and it was not so much that also because um i was getting frustrated at not being able to go and watch a team regularly mm. as a team that i wanted to support so um it just fit in really with what i wanted to do at the time yeah um, so that's the way it turned out yeah no that's good and that's also good for me as well because that means that i i ended up being a derby fan absolutely um, yes but but I guess that that might not be a good thing, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might, what, what foul but fate is uh, before all of us? <laughs> I might have enjoyed being a Liverpool fan. You never know. 
that game that you said you went um, and sat in the derby derby end and watched Liverpool beat Derby 3-1, can you remember who'd scored that day? Well, it's funny because I always had this memory that Kenny Dalglish scored, but I went when I was doing some research last night, I went and checked and he never scored that day. Oh. So <laughs> I, do, I do remember Derby scoring early on, uh, very early on in the first mm-hmm. five minutes of the game. And then Liverpool just took control and, and mm. were easy 3-1 winners. David Johnson scored that day, uh, one yeah. of the goals. One of the other goals was an own goal. I can't remember nice. the third goal now. but Yeah, So, um, but I do remember seeing Dalglish play, which was a, a complete honour for me. Yeah. And for anybody yeah. watching football at that time, I think he was probably the greatest player yeah. of his generation. So, um, and probably still the best player I've ever seen live. Mm. Mm. That's that's a pretty awesome set of, of first memories, I think. And I guess Derby at that time would probably. I, don't, I mean, I don't obviously I don't remember, but um, <laughs> but I, I guess they were they were really struggling at that point. That was I think they like were. Yes, period. they'd come to the end of the glory days as they were in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were going through a few managers. Um, I can't remember who was manager at the time. Um, and I think they were rele- if if they weren't relegated that season, I think they were relegated early on in the eighties. So. Mm, it okay. was a start. It was a start of bad times during that period. Getting your early playoff nightmares done in the nineties was well. It it did seem to become a theme <laughs> throughout throughout the rest of the history of Derby. Yeah, certainly. So and, and definitely the last eighteen years as well. I think yeah. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a few episodes on on each of the playoff <laughs> the playoff yeah. roller coasters. The playoff special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. Russell checking what's on in the box. It's a lovely ball. Dawkins, five. What an impudent finish from the Jamaican international. Backheeled it in. Okay, so to kick us off today, I think what we'll do is I've I've got a question for you both. I hope that's okay. That's before we before we talk about about Bradley Johnson in particular. It's, it's been kind of rumoured this week, and I'm not 100% sure where this rumour has come from. It might have even come from Wayne Rooney himself. Or Barry the Ram. Or Barry the Ram. Did Barry it come the from Ram. Barry the Ram? Well, <laughs> solid, solid info if it's from Barry the Ram. <laughs> let's, let's say it came from Barry the Ram. That, that we might have some money to spend in January, mm-hmm. which is nice. When the takeover gets completed. When the takeover gets completed, caveat, when? takeover, <laughs> still not completed, might be done by Christmas, might not. And so, yeah, I want to know from, from each of you who your favourite January transfer window signing has been, specifically from the past 18 years. So we're talking from, from 2002 to now. Alex, do you want to yeah, go first? Yeah, should I go first? Well, so I, I already know who Alex is going to pick for hers because mm-hmm. she told me. And so I didn't want to to also pick the same player, but I, I, I think... You're just going to say it, aren't you? You can say it if you want. You can have my choice, well, that's fine. Well, I'm not going to say it. No, it could no. be a joy but, choice. But let, but let the record show that I would have picked who Alex is going to pick. <laughs> but my, my second choice, and I don't, I don't want this to sound like I'm deliberately picking someone strange to sound to sound like I'm, you know, like exploiting a niche. But I had a look back through the January transfer windows and one of the things I noticed was that Derby don't make very many good signings, which is one of the things we pointed out before we started recording. But my favourite signing was of Simon Dawkins, who permanently signed in 2014, but had been on loan up until that point since October. 
And the reason I chose Simon Dawkins is because when he signed, I think he had like a really massive impact on the way we played football. And I, I struggle to think of a player who kept possession as well as he did in like a front three. And I think he was consistently very good through that first season. And then in the second season, he was also uh, still a, a decent player. But And then sadly, I think when uh, Paul Clement came in, they eventually uh, got rid of him. But I think he was a, a good servant to the club. Uh, and I think he probably also didn't always get the credit that he deserved. So yeah, Simon Dawkins. Yeah, I I feel he was very underrated as a player, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I always enjoyed watching him play. Yeah, and I think as well he had a lot of competition in that he had Jamie Ward and Johnny Russell playing at Mm -hmm. the same time. So it wasn't it wasn't a foregone conclusion that he he played, but I think he would regularly keep Russell and or Ward out of the the team on one of the wings. And he scored some some good goals. I remember we went to see Fulham away the season. Uh, the 2014-15 yep. season in the Carling Cup, uh, or League yeah, Cup, it was, or whatever yeah. it was called then. Yeah. From that day, but those those two goals in particular, yeah, they they yeah. stand out to me. Mm-hmm. Nice, that's a good choice. Mm. Good choice. Okay, um, well, Dad, you you go next, and then I'll reveal <laughs> the one that we perhaps all may have chosen first. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to go way way back to the 0304 season. Oh no. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, there was actually two. So if I'm, I think I know which one you're going for. Okay. So I'm going to go for the other one because there was two that season. Uh, Paul Pesky Cedalido. Oh. So before you continue with Paul Pesky was the second one Leon Osman? It was. That was my okay. original choice. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That that was also Alex's original choice. So. <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm surprised nobody went for George Fawn. Oh, that's interesting. That is a big shout. I stayed, I stayed away from that one because I thought either one of you two were going to say that. That is a huge shout. I did not even... I didn't even clock that he could yeah. have been January transfer yeah, window. He was, a, he was a January transfer window and obviously didn't play uh, until, yeah. the, until the Forest game. Yeah. I think that's why I never associate because he would... Because he started the season really late, in a sense, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And then just had was it about ten games where yeah, he completely the the turned yeah turned the way we played almost. Well, honorary yeah. mention to George Thorne. Yeah, but, uh, honorary mention. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but yeah, Paul, Paul Pescasolido. I mean, to to us, like he was a a, a kind of like a cult cool hero mm-hmm. in a sense at that. Well, time. I mean, the fact that he came in and almost immediately made himself a legend. Mm-hmm. With the with the famous goal against Forest, which yeah. at the time at the time was a massive massive result, and I think that goal actually created the my favourite piece of football memorabilia that exists. It was a T shirt with a Kenko coffee cup on it, and it said, "This cup beat eleven mugs." Yeah, <laughs> do you remember, <laughs> do you remember that? One? that no, was I, great. I, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I just remember thinking like, "Wow, like that is." I didn't buy it. I don't know why I didn't buy it, but that would have really been a collector's <laughs> item. Um, I think Pesky no. Solidio was a like a uniquely good finisher in that. Like there was no one else at the club in the whole time he was there that could finish no. as well as he could. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I agree, and, and and we should mention as well, Dad, his pre-match ritual. I was just about to enjoyed. just about to mention it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the way he prowled around the uh, the semicircle. Yeah, uh, did before you, a game did was, you was, that, was 
absolutely fascinating. I thought, oh, I love that. <laughs> Me and Dad just used to watch him. Like, really? walk, like it was like just as the players came out, then he used to just walk around the, the semicircle yeah. before yeah. The, before kickoff. He used to walk yeah. around, just keep walking around, then he'd be ready. Yeah. He must have been psyching himself out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> oh, and Darren Moore used to hop on him. Oh, yeah, exactly oh, like yeah. that, when Darren Moore used to hop. <laughs> <laughs> They're things that you don't get if your team wins every week. I'm sure you don't remember those things. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I guess well my my choice and your two's first choice as well um, was of course Leon Osman. Um, so we signed Leon Osman on loan from Everton in January 2004. Um, the previous summer, actually, I think we had had to offload a lot of our high-profile players. Um, after being relegated from the Premiership the year before that, and so I think we were in a pretty bad way when Leon Osmond joined us. This yeah, is we how were in I the remember relegation it. Zone, we were yeah, in the okay. very last yeah. game of the season. Yeah. yeah, and he only actually signed initially on an eight-week loan, so he was only mm. meant to be with us until until March. Um, and then yeah, obviously we. I mean, we all remember. Well, I remember him at least just completely taking the team by the scruff of the neck and kind yeah. of like dragging us dragging us up yeah I mean the way he just kind of yeah literally took took hold of games in the midfield and and yeah. dragged us through that that yeah. time I think and, um, and scored some important goals as well mm. yeah he single-handedly saved our season I think yeah completely mm. agree and I yeah. think we even knew it at the time which is strange because I think that when you look back on those things it's it, you kind of like it's easy to say he saved our season when we ended up staying up, right? But yeah. at the time, we even knew what was happening. We knew yeah. he was saving yeah. our it season. Yeah, it felt like he was saving it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> which, is, which is pretty and was, awesome. And he was only very young when he came to us as well. He's mm. only just started his career. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, no, that's good. Yeah, I think I, I would have also chosen him. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, guys. That's I, right. I kind of <laughs> took that one. I'm not. I'm not gonna sit in and think I've got to pay them back. You know, I'm, the price is not gonna uh, affect me. You know, I'm gonna go out there and give my my all for Derby City, and, and like I said, hopefully get this team promoted. I think the special thing about Bradley Johnson was that he was a record signing at the time that we signed him, and he was also a record signing in a period where we were spending a lot of money, mm-hmm. uh, or, or one of the first periods where we'd been spending a lot of money since we'd got relegated uh, in 2008. I think. The significance of Bradley Johnson's transfer in particular is that when we made those signings, we had just come off two seasons where ultimately Derby should have gone up in one of them. And Mm -hmm. in one, failed in the playoff final dramatically and against all the odds. Mm -hmm. And in the second one, somehow not finished in the playoffs at all against all the... I mean, somehow didn't even finish in the top two against all the odds, never mind the playoffs. Um, Incredible. So I think... When the transfer window came that Bradley Johnson signed in, I don't remember the exact figure, but we spent easily over 15 million mm-hmm. on a number of players and also signed a lot of players on free transfers who were expensive, like Darren Bent, who had been on loan the previous season. So I, I think it felt like this transfer window was was just put in place to literally promote Derby. It wasn't a question of whether it was trying to get Derby to you know like finish like third or fourth after a few bad seasons it felt like a transfer window where they were saying no we must go up now yeah and Bradley Johnson was the biggest signing in there and he came on deadline day the things I kind of wanted to bring up were ultimately Bradley Johnson seemed like an expensive I think mistakes are harsh really I don't think anyone would describe him as a mistake but it felt like he never reached the you know the billing 
that was promised when we mm. signed him as like a, a goal scoring midfielder that would like grab the championship by the scuff of his neck. But I think he was also undone by a club that was so badly mismanaged in the four year period that he signed. Because it was kind of the start of where Mel Morris really started to change things himself and like really get involved with how the team was doing. As uh, Alex mentioned, there were six managers in this time. Bradley Johnson had to adjust every time for different managers and each of these different managers had wildly different systems to play. Uh, And I think he was a victim of that. And I think in the end, there's an argument to suggest that Bradley Johnson may have been a success against all of these odds that were stacked up against him. Mm -hmm. I think the interesting thing about that is it it might be symbolic of uh, policy of managing and transferring players at the club, which has just never been fit to um, create a team that could achieve promotion. So that's kind of, they're kind of the main themes I wanted to talk about. Johnson won the header. Gives Hughes a lot of space to run into. Phil Hughes. Phil Hughes. Now finds Johnson! Who opens the scoring? I think the first thing that I really want to touch on is, is your first point as well, which was about this transfer window. So this this transfer window in um, summer 2015, it was crazy. Mm. Like, we... We didn't just didn't just break our, our record signing once. We broke it twice in the same in the same transfer window, and in the backdrop. So obviously the transfer window um it doesn't end, and then the season starts. So during this time when the transfer window was was open, we lost Will Hughes and Craig Bryson to injury during this time as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of felt like as a as a fan, I remember feeling very optimistic for for this season with all the money that we were spending then losing those two key players in the midfield, but then kind of replacing them with with Johnson and with Butterfield and kind of feeling the sheer optimism again because they were two huge, huge financial investments for for the club. Mm. Um, But yeah, I I don't think there's been another transfer window like it personally. No, I think it was definitely a a thing of um, Mo Morris flexing his muscles Mm -hmm. with his his spending power. And he he obviously thought, well, the only way we're going to get out of this division is just splash the cash basically and mm. bring these players in and I think obviously it didn't help that Bryson and Hughes were injured at the time mm-hmm. and maybe you wonder if they were both fit whether either one of those two players would have ended up at the club anyway mm-hmm. uh, I still found it bizarre that because obviously Hughes and Bryson had quite Hughes's injury in particular would rule them out for nearly the year and Bryson yeah. wouldn't come back until near Christmas I think but to replace them with two more central midfielders who were very I mean, at the time, they were probably the two, two very good championship central midfielders for mm-hmm. two different clubs. How you would ever fit all... I mean, we had Hendrick at this time still as well. Who yes, yes. In reality, has probably gone on to have the best career out of all of them. Mm. Um, yeah. How they ever thought they were going to fit all of these midfielders <laughs> together <laughs> at any point. Yeah. yeah. When they came back from injury. It's, and they had Thorne as well. Yeah, yeah. they did. Yeah. yeah. It was it was crazy. It it was, and I think I guess that when um, Bradley Johnson signed as well, we can't we have to mention the fact that he called us Derby City. I don't think I really remembered it at the time. I think it was the sort of thing that afterward, like after it happened, like a few weeks later, I yeah. became aware of it. 
and I think, I mean, that's almost, well, I think, I, I think in a way that kind of proves like how fast this deal was done because, and Bradley Johnson even said it himself in an interview a couple of weeks after he made that blunder, that, you know, <laughs> he was kind of all over the place on deadline day and he'd just been playing for Norwich City and that's, that's yeah. why he made the, <laughs> that's why he made, made the error. But it, it must've been a rushed, mm. a rushed signing really to, to mm. game in last minute. I guess on that point, him coming from Norwich, when he was playing at Norwich, he, um, I believe he won, he won play of the season when he was there. He scored a really great amount of goals for, for a midfielder. But he was playing on the left of a diamond, as opposed to, I mean, Derby. I, I can't remember a time when Derby actually played a diamond um, for, for a sustained amount of time. How do you reckon it kind of impacted him playing from the left of a diamond to going into like the left of a three? At Derby, I think left of a like when you when you pack a midfield like a diamond, it's with the objective of really controlling the center of the pitch. I think, and obviously on the di- on the like two you know like middle portions of the diamond, they they're going to go more wide, but they're very narrow, and you probably have fullbacks which are like overlapping and things like that. But those mm. two central midfielders have both an attacking presence and a defensive presence behind them, mm-hmm. and so they can really just play. At least in my opinion, they can probably play much with much more freedom, in a mm. sense, because they don't have to. They're not like burdened by having to always be the attacking, creative presence in that midfield. Neither are they having to like worry constantly about what's going on behind them. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a midfield three, it's slightly different because those two midfielders are really the two. They've got to be the two creative parts in the centre, especially if you have a striker that's you know going to be primarily focused on scoring goals so those two players have a lot more burden from an attacking presence but there's also less control of the midfield because then it's probably a less narrow system you have wingers mm. the fullbacks aren't probably getting up as much mm. so i think i think they were, it, it seems in principle like they might be similar but i think they are two very different systems um yeah i think i, I agree with everything you just said there it, it was it's two very completely different systems because when you're in a midfield three, sometimes you're forced out wide more mm-hmm. during games, uh, which mm-hmm. didn't really suit Johnson's uh, game at all. So it was it was a big adjustment, but um, I think you could probably afford to be a much more box to box player in a diamond mm. than you can in a yeah. in a three because if you are that sort of player, then the, the two have to take a step back and if. If the other person who's not the defensive presence in a in a three in that triangle is also getting forward a lot, then you kind of have to rein yourself in more. Hmm. So it's very different. But I think Derby probably assumed that they could take someone from that left point of diamond and could just mm-hmm. stick him into into that system and it would work. Which is I think is how Derby kind of make all this stuff. Just be like, just put him on the left, doesn't it? Be fine. Just get him on the left. He'll have to do a bit more defensive work. He'll have to do a bit more, you know, going mm. forward. But it's fine, just stick him on the left. I suppose a counter argument would be that really really good players fit into any system but mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I agree and I, I guess from from our perspective as fans as well at that time when you're signing someone for, for 6 million and, and he's he's like breaking that transfer fee mm. you expect him to be that player that can fit into any system absolutely. right because yeah, absolutely. He's, he's literally the most expensive player we've ever bought so yeah. so you know that's that's what you expect and so there is something in him kind of at least being determined enough to to play in any system because if we if we kind of think later well not later on kind of in the middle of his of his um playing playing days at derby 
um, under Rauer, for example, so when Rauer changed the system completely, mm-hmm. players like Bryson and Martin uh, went out on loan. Yeah. And, you know, they, they really couldn't fit into the system. But Bradley Johnson still still played. And when I was looking through his stats, I mean, he played at least 30, 35 games every yeah. season. That he... something I, yeah, something I noticed when I checked as well, which I'd not, yeah. not realised. Which, no, that, that did surprise me as well. And so I think that he was very determined and very kind of like dogged and must have worked very hard to try and fit into these different systems. Mm. I guess, I guess what, one thing as well that I thought was, was quite interesting is I remember him scoring more goals than he did. Yeah, he didn't really score many at all. He, did he? he scored 14, 14 he scored goals. Four, less goals for Derby than he did in one season for Norwich. Uh. Which, is, which is crazy. For some reason, I, I, I still don't see him as this like defensive midfielder or on the left of a three. Like, I see him as like this attacking midfielder scoring goals. But I mean, yeah. I never saw that for, for Derby. I only saw the 14 goals yeah. in four seasons. I think, kind of interesting. So. I think he started relatively well and mm-hmm. then I think Derby went off the rails under Clement and I think there were many reasons for that. Ultimately towards the end of Clement's reign Bryson came back and they dropped Johnson mm. but um, when Wassel came in he actually came back into the team and was very good again mm. Mm. and one of the things that I thought personally might be the reason for that is because Thorne sort of came back into the reckoning again uh, and Johnson was allowed to play with a bit more freedom which yeah. allowed him to get up more and score more goals, which is what he was best at doing. Mm-hmm. But then we got to the playoff semi-finals against Hull, and Thorne had that terrible injury against Ipswich on the last game. Yeah, that ruled him out. I mean, essentially for the rest of his career. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, um, <laughs> yeah. but Johnson then they. I mean, the midfield three against Hull, I think, was Johnson, Hendrick, and Bryson. Mm. And there's just no, there's no real shield in there. I mean, Johnson no. at that time anyway. Johnson wasn't playing that role. Mm-hmm. And and Derby were taken to pieces, and Johnson went off in the first leg, and then never came back for the second leg. And I think that was kind of illustrative, at least in that first season, that Johnson was kind of. It wasn't clear that the team knew where to play him or what reason they'd even signed him mm-hmm. for. Um, and it, and also because they were losing players in the midfield, left, right, and centre, and mm. they they were just forced into playing Johnson in positions that he wasn't really able to play at that time. I think the the one thing that you you say as well, kind of like akin to that, Alex, is that as a record signing midfielder, it had this like expectation on him that was so high. So he was expected to consistently score goals and single handedly kind of like drag Derby mm. into the Premiership. But really, you can't ever put that much pressure on on one player to to do those things, right? So he was almost like set up to fail when we we spent that much on him and and then threw him into into all these different systems with different kind of responsibilities on him. Yeah, I I agree, actually. I think um, the fact that the fans saw him as the six million dollar man, really, as you might want to call Mm -hmm. him, uh, I think the fans immediately got on his back. And obviously that doesn't help any player uh, at any Mm -hmm. time. So, and I I thought, you know, it was unfairly targeted that way in a way to be honest mm-hmm. and I think they didn't truly get off his back until like maybe three years later yeah um, no absolutely which, yeah which was when possibly he played his best yeah football for the club because he struggled under Rowett uh, well I guess under Pearson and he under Pearson he didn't really play much and then when Pearson got suspended he came back into the team mm-hmm. mm. and he played a lot under Chris Powell McLaren when they started getting good results again yeah uh, and he was quite an important part of that team and that's when they went back to a 4-3-3 mm-hmm. 
but then when the results went bad again he obviously was in and out of the team uh, mm. under and, and then this season tailed off when Rowett came in it seems like throughout Johnson's career Derby have played their best football when he's played well mm. and their worst football when he's played badly um, yeah at least to me and I obviously that could be because he's in a quite important part of the pitch and when he plays badly the rest of the team's also going to struggle but it could also be because his performances were so important um, for the team itself that they needed him to play well in order to like get the rest of the team going and so when he did play well the rest of the team were good but when when they played badly it's difficult to know whether it was the team dragging Johnson down or Mm. Johnson dragging the team down. (laughs) I feel like um, also he's he was a kind of a player who thrived on playing week in, week out. Mm-hmm. He's not one of these players who like to be rested or mm-hmm. um, dropped for one game for whatever reason. He seemed to be the player, one player that wanted to play every week. Definitely. I, I completely agree with that as well. And, and although he did play those probably like 30, 35 games a season, that he was left out for for like a, a couple of games, of games mm. um, at a time. and. And even even the season before last, when when Lampard was in charge, I remember him having a big impact that season. Mm-hmm. But again, he still wasn't necessarily the first name on the team mm. sheet, and he and he did play well under under the Lampard system, and and mm. did kind of like thrive with all those creative other creative players around him. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure he still wasn't first on the no. on the team sheet that season. Lampard seemed to be the only manager who managed to get him to play defensive midfield well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because others tried it and it never really kind of worked. Absolutely. And I think one thing that you brought up was that Pride Park was quite a toxic place to play throughout mm. this Johnson period. But I think, mm. uh, well, at least where I was sitting in the east stand towards the south east corner, <laughs> um, it was a very toxic place to be in like 2015, 2016, mm. 2017, because it felt like the fans expected promotion every year, but the team... It's, I'm not sure the team weren't good enough because I think the players perhaps were good enough to get promotion, mm. but it was never the right. The, the structure was never there to get promoted, and the fans were vet, like very quick to get on the players' back if anything was going badly. Yeah. Even if it was just level for like tw- the first twenty minutes, it wasn't mm-hmm. good enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think under Lampard was probably the first year where it felt like expectations had been lifted a little bit because I think people were excited enough about what was happening with bringing Lampard in and the players mm. we were getting on loan, that they were willing to let the team, st- like, not necessarily struggle, but, like, it was it was almost accepted that there were going to be negative results and that's just mm. how the team played at times. Yeah. And, and that also coincided with Johnson's best period, as you say. Like, Lampard mm. seemed to be the first manager that um, managed to get him to play set a defensive midfield consistently well and I think actually by the end of the season he was pivotal to the rest of the team because there was no one else mm. that could play that role mm-hmm. no absolutely I think that's a very good summary actually of kind of his last his last couple of years at, at Derby I think he had a, a very good game in the playoff second leg against Leeds as well because he mm. was he was really the only player who was not attacking right yeah. it, it, yeah. I mean even the centre backs were kind even of Keo, even Keo was attacking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thankfully <laughs> yeah exactly even Keo was playing through balls Hose not the worst of deliveries and the header is home Bradley Johnson spears it into the corner how would you 
summarise Bradley Johnson's four years at Derby in one phrase. Uh, one phrase. <laughs> you got one phrase, Alex. Is that like a sentence? <laughs> it's, it's it's however however many sentences you feel. I guess I guess I can go first. Yeah. So I think I would go with high expectations, good performances, but really never lived up to his potential. I think I would potentially say something similar, but perhaps more emphasis on the unfair expectations, mm. good performances. That's okay. a short phrase. That's nice. That's a nice <laughs> phrase. Unfairly judged, good performances, uh, went too soon. A very good way of summarising yeah. this. Yeah, and I guess you. just finally... Um, because this seems to be a recurring theme like we let Martin go Mm -hmm. and this season I think I I agree that Colin Cousin Richards has done very well up front Mm -hmm. but it still feels like we have you know like replaced someone who was very who was just very good with someone Mm -hmm. who at least is doing well now but it's not clear whether Colin Cousin Richards can keep it up Mm -hmm. for an entire season and I, I just wonder whether there's just something going on at the club that means they continually make these decisions where players are, you know, treated in such a way that they don't perform to the top level that they can perform at. And then when they, even when they do, they kind of let go too soon. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, I still think the Martin thing was financial as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I guess is that the that the common theme then are we still kind of even though um, like Mel Morris has has spent a lot of money um, mm. at, whilst he's been in charge of Derby County we're still having to make decisions based on financial yeah reasons. I think so I think so and I think oh, it was also very short sighted to let Martin go as well mm-hmm. um, yeah seeing it as the only other striker we had in the club at the time was was Jack mm-hmm. Marriott who. Mm-hmm don't think he will ever be the striker that Derby ever want. So yeah, I think Martin was obviously let go way, way too soon. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Colin Cazin Richards is not going to score the goals that Martin scored. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's the one character that's kind of galvanised the team. So I think yeah. that's, that's his biggest plus at the moment. Mm-hmm. He seems to be bringing everybody together the, you know, the the team are bonding better now because yeah. of him. Yeah. It felt like when Johnson left and that and Koku came in, that from that moment on the team had lost an element of like togetherness and it was difficult to get on board. Even though they were bringing through all these youngsters, it seemed like a team that wasn't really a team. There wasn't mm. so much of a team spirit. But um, yeah, yeah, I think with Kazim Richards, I think that's why he's so important to the team now mm. is because he is really the person driving that, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've gone a little bit off topic there to, to get on to, to Kazim Richards, but I feel like Kazim Richards and Bradley Johnson both have an incredible range of tattoos. So there you go. Yes. That's the... Tenuous link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a shame they never played together. <laughs> could have done some comparisons. <laughs> you add that bit. Add that bit at the end of the article. <laughs> Okay, well, I think that that brings us to a to a natural close. That was a yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, thanks for joining us, Dad. That was. It's been, a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very good. much for inviting me. 
yeah thank you john for being our first guest i know. We hope it's the the first of many and hopefully we can have you back on as well when you yeah yeah absolutely anytime exactly we'll uh we'll we'll try and yeah bring liverpool into it as well so you can, you can talk about liverpool <laughs> probably lose all my twitter followers now they know that i've got a, a mixed past <laughs> when they know that Derby Rambler is not necessarily as Derby as he says he is. Oh, that's a bit hard. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, but um, okay. So, so I think next episode, I, I think we owe everyone an apology actually, because we actually said in episode two that we were going to go further back in time into our mind palaces, and we did. We did go back in time into our mind palaces, but we didn't end up on a topic that we really thought was going to be as good as Bradley Johnson. Yeah. So it, hence it why we like came was... a little bit forward from. Yeah, it felt like a good time to talk about Bradley Johnson. It did. And it maybe did. next time we can go back in time. We, can we try will. Again. We will try again. There's lots of things to cover. We will go back into those mind palaces and we will definitely cover something from before 2014. That's what I'm going to promise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks everyone for listening and please do follow us on on social media. We are at our BBG on Twitter and our baseball ground on Instagram. Um, the plan from here on in will be for us to to release an episode every every two weeks, hopefully on a Monday. And the website uh, for all of these articles is uh, ourbaseballground.com. Yeah. So um, if you want to read any of them, you can do. There's an average nine-minute read time for all the articles. That's not bad. That's not bad. You get you get a lot of content in nine minutes. You get a lot of content, that. but you can also just re- listen to the podcast. Yeah, um, that's fine. We don't we don't mind. Yeah. It's good. Okay, thanks everyone for listening, and speak to you next time. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye.